Good morning to be together right here in the middle of summer um, as we celebrate new life, as we get to gather together from our different contexts, our different trips, our ups and downs of life, and our ups and downs of summer. Um, and I'm excited that you are here as we continue on week three of Radical Summer. So how's your summer going so far? Memories made? Hot. I heard hot several, several times. That's definitely true. Well, I, I hope it's going well. I know there's still a lot of summer left, and it'll also be done way quicker. Um, than we want if you're wanting it to go for a long time, and it'll happen, um, it'll go just stretch on forever if you're uh, wanting summer to be done. Looking at you, parents. Um, so uh, hopefully you're making some memories, having some good times. I remember um, one of uh, the family vacations that we went on, um, I, I believe I was in middle school, and we went out to visit one of my brothers while he was living um, in California at the time, him and his family. And so um, awesome, awesome time just to hang out with him. They lived in the LA area, and then we, we drove up the coast, and um, we, uh, we went up to Sequoia National Forest and all these cool things, but I'll tell you there's two things I remember about this trip, and this is horrible. Um, the, the first main thing is we got to, um, um, someone, one of our friends let us borrow their van um, at the time. I, I think it was just because, I don't remember if we had something going on with our van at the time, but not only did they let us borrow their van, but they put a TV with a Nintendo 64 in it. I mean, like, remember, this is obviously way before, like, iPads and, like, phones and things that you could do. And it's like, so you have a big box TV with a Nintendo 64. All their games, it was awesome. Okay, it was so cool. And, I mean, you're just driving down the road playing video games. I wasn't old enough to drive at the time, so I could just stay back there. It was fantastic. And um, so, I mean, that, was, that just made the trip obviously go amazing. Um, <clears throat> the second thing I remember, though, is driving into and out of Sequoia National Forest. Um, another little tidbit, I get carsick. And um, my parents are well aware of this, and so they managed this a lot as I was a, a child. You know, they wouldn't allow me to eat things when we go on certain roads. They'd make sure I was keeping my eyes and on the road in front of me. And, you know, you get old enough, and all the, they kind of suggest things, knowing what's actually best. But I had it all worked out in my mind. And as we went through these, I don't know how curvy the roads were, but in my mind, they were super curvy. <laughs> and um, they kept saying, hey, Sweetie, you might want to keep your eyes on the road, you know, drink some water. Maybe you shouldn't be playing those video games. But I had it worked out because I was, well, this helps me, Mom. If I keep my focus right down here and I don't, like, see the outside, I, I don't get as carsick. The only problem is I definitely threw up on the way in the Sequoia National Forest, and I threw up on the way out. It did not help at all. I should have listened to my parents. <laughs> all that to say. So great, great summer memories. Beautiful California coast, awesome parks. I mean, these trees are ginormous. You can like drive through them, and I remember puking, so that was good. Um, as we're continuing on um, through this radical summer series, and we're talking about how to have an awesome summer, all under this idea of not going to church, but choosing to be the church, as we live under this framework that we are blessed to be a blessing. And that is the map to what our mission is, to what our purpose is as we go through our life, as we go find ourselves in different places, as even in the summertime, we actually end up maybe accidentally talking to our neighbors a little bit more. Um, so today, we're going to just lean into just one practice of what it looks like um, to be the church. One super practical way, because again, this whole idea of what it means to be the church, that we are blessed to be a blessing, it feels daunting, but it's a lot easier in some ways, much more simpler than we think. We're more equipped 
and put it that way, than what we think. And today we're going to be leaning into one way that I, I believe that whether you're a Jesus follower or not, even if you're kind of on the fence and you kind of enjoy the community here, I believe what we're going to be talking about is just going to be just as impactful um, for you, even helping you have an awesome summer, but also truly making a difference in the people around you. Um, and so I want to tell you a story. I'm sure you've heard this one before um, as we get started. Um, this, uh, this is the story about Franklin Roosevelt when he was in the, in the White House. And um, <clears throat> he, you know, he had so many receiving lines, you know, all the formal things. He just had to shake hands and say, say hi to people. He got kind of sick of it. And so he's just like, this is pointless. I mean, everyone's just going through the formalities. Like, can't we just skip this and get to the rest of everything? And so he was in one, uh, one of those receiving lines one time, and he just thought, you know what? I'm not going to play this game. So he uh, decided that every person that came through, he would just simply say, when they said, hey, how are you doing? Or good to see you, he'd just say, I killed my grandmother this morning. So, of course, he mumbled this every time someone came by, and they would say, wow, that's awesome. We're so proud of you. Keep up the good work. Thank you. These were the things. And it wasn't until the very end, so the story goes, um, when the ambassador from Bolivia came through, and he said his line, and the ambassador with shocked eyes looked at him and then leaned in and said, I'm sure she had it coming. (laughs) Here's, Here's the fact of the matter. Everybody wants to be heard, but nobody wants to listen. Everybody wants to be heard, but nobody wants to listen. And this, this is the small practice that we're going to lean into today. Listening. And as we, as we kind of lean into this, and I, ask, I want you to ask yourself just this one question. As you go through life, whether family, um, at work, in your neighborhood, here at church, do you see people... Do you see people to be loved or do you see problems to be solved? When you bump up against people that are a little bit different than you, that have a different, different perspective, um, when you have the opportunity, uh, you see something just wrong going on, do you see people to be loved or do you see problems to be solved? Do you see people with unique journeys and stories or are you quick to lump people into categories? Do you see people... By, by their political affiliation, their, their sports team, where they live, what their house looks like, what kind of car they drive, how much money they have. Do you see people or do you see problems? Do you assume that you know everything about the person? See, in the kingdom of Jesus, we're called to something different. We're called to follow his example. And obviously, it's, it's one of love. And ultimately, um, I believe that how we choose to answer this question of whether we see, see people to be loved or problems to be solved is best seen by how we choose to listen to people right in front of us and to those around us. There was a beggar that was sitting on the side of the road, and he was blind. So this was his daily thing, his daily routine. He would sit there and he would ask for money. He would ask for help. He would ask for mercy and the people would come by. He'd get mainly uh, responses um, just to say, hey, get out of here. Every once in a while, someone would give um, out of their excess. And and this was what he depended on for, for life. But this is what he knew and this is what he did. One day, um, he, he began to hear the people passing by more of a murmur. Something, something was happening. Something was going on. And he overheard that this guy by the name of Jesus of Nazareth was about to come through. Now, he had heard of Jesus. 
He had heard, this was a Jewish leader. He knew that it was different than the other leaders. He taught with authority, but he acted with love. He was not distant, he was present. But more importantly, more excitedly, he knew that this man had done miracles, that this man had healed people like him that were blind, had healed people that could not walk. And so he, he, he saw his moment, he, he understood it, and he, he heard the crowd, the, the noise start picking up, and, and he heard some people talking about Jesus, and he, so he cried out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. No, no response. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. He heard someone else say, hey, shut up. Like, Jesus is coming through. Would you, like, don't bother him. He's, you are not important enough. He says it again, not to be deterred. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And yet another of Jesus' assumed entourage tells him to be quiet. Jesus has more important things. But yet one more time, he says, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And he gets no response this time until he feels a touch on his arm. Someone grabs him ar his arm and says, come this way with me. And he leads him right in front of Jesus. And what does Jesus do? What does he do? He heals him, right? This man's wildest dreams have come true. He, he heals him. But there's two really cool things in the story that as we get into this topic of listening, I want to highlight for you. And to be honest, this first thing I didn't even see till this morning, um, because what is the coolest thing ever is this, this man is sitting on the road to Jericho. And best I can tell, someone correct me after service, but Jesus is coming from Jerusalem. Does anyone else know a story that Jesus told of someone that was going from Jerusalem to Jericho? Good Samaritan. I, I don't know why this is, I mean, fully in there, but I mean, it's just amazing as Jesus is flat out preaching um, or act, doing what he preaches. I mean, that's, that's awesome. As Jesus lived this out to be listening as he went, as people thought that he, this man was way too unimportant for this man, but he's going along trying to listen to what is happening around him. But there's something even more intriguing to me, something that um, is kind of, we, we glossed right over it, but it's kind of baffling. Um, and it ha this is happening in Luke 18, uh, starting in verse 40. Uh, I, I want to just read this. Jesus stopped and ordered the man to be brought to him. And when he came near, Jesus just healed him because he could see exactly what was wrong and he just said, you're healed, right? Obviously not. Jesus asked him, what do you want me to do for you? Have you ever thought about that? Like, anybody could see that this man was blind. Any man, anybody could see that this man obviously needed some type of help. He was poor. He was begging on the streets. Of course, Jesus could see that, right? But what does he do? He calls him in front of him, and he says, what do you want me to do for you? The man replies, Lord, I, I want to see Jesus said to him, receive your sight. Your faith has healed you. Immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus, praising God. And when all the people saw it, they also praised God. Hmm. Jesus saw a person and he leaned in to listen and care for this person. 
He wasn't just dishing out his miracles, just like, yeah, I can help you, I can help you, because he knew there was something much deeper. As with all his miracles, with all the miraculous things that he, he did, as he, he wasn't just doing those to look good or, or bolster his identity or his reputation. He was choosing to be present with people and love them. He didn't rush to a conclusion. He says, what do you want for me to do? And he listened. And he responded. Proverbs 18.2, fools find no pleasure in understanding, but delight in airing their own opinions. Later on, Proverbs 18.13, to answer before listening, that is folly and shame. You know, it's so easy to discount the importance of listening. In all of life, we, we often celebrate the destination, Right? We don't value the journey. In fact, most of our life and our technology and our advancements is, is based in getting rid of the journey as much as possible to get straight to the destination. And we bring that into how we choose to listen or even our value of choosing to listen. We de devalue the opportunity to listen to what is right in front of us. We jump to conclusions and we think the real goal is whatever the decision or the action is at the end of our conversation, right? Right? I mean, our, our value of listening and being present in the moment is so obvious. By the way, we react when we hear a notification from our phones, where we can't focus on what's right in front of us, that, but we can't help but just look to see what else is going on. We can't, we can't help but just quickly, you know, reply back and then justify it in some way. But listening is something. Listening is important, and I would say it's vital, especially if we are wanting to be faithful in our call to be the church. But the thing is, listening is one of the most helpful but helpless forms of ministry. But listening is being the church. So what I want to talk about this morning is four ways that we can truly listen. Four steps that I believe it takes to truly listen. So if you're following along in your notes, you can get those out. If you don't have anything in front of you, we have our online bulletin. Go to kingswaymo, kingswaymo.info, and you can scroll down there, find the sermon notes, and you can follow along. You can email those to yourself later on so you have a copy. Um, but four ways, four steps to, to truly listening. So here's the first thing. Ready? Actually listen. Don't just wait to talk. Okay, actually listen. Don't just wait to talk. There was one author and speaker that said, the opposite of listening is not speaking, it's waiting to speak. Do you find yourself doing this? While someone is talking, you're coming up with your counterpoints of why they're an idiot. <laughs> you're, you're disproving them. Or maybe you're just coming up, you're thinking of the story that correlates with their story that you're going to share next Choosing to actually listen, not simply waiting to speak. I heard in a TED talk recently, um, someone say, hearing is one of our natural senses, but listening is not. Listening takes focus and attention. Listening takes intentionality. See, while other people are, are talking, is not the time to figure out what we're going to say next. 
I feel like we would do well to follow the, uh, the eating advice that we all hear and know and adheres to, that no matter what diet you're on probably still rings true, and that's simply what your mom or your grandma told you growing up. Eat slower, right? <laughs> Eat slower. Why? Well, so you can give your body time to digest. So that, so that you can actually realize when you're full and you don't just keep shoveling the food in there. And if we would do that when it comes to our listing, that we would choose to give our time, ourselves time to digest what is actually going on and truly listening. So first step, actually listen. Don't just wait to speak. Second one is this, choose to understand even if you don't agree. This one gets harder. And you might even, as we talk through these, you might have some situations, some examples in your mind, but choosing to understand even if you don't agree. Have you ever felt this tension while someone else is talking? Again, kind of to the earlier point, you just, you're just thinking like, what? You think, how stupid are you? Like, or that did not happen. I did not say that. Oh, that is ridiculous. Like, how could you even believe such a thing? But to truly listen, we must choose to understand. And the hardest times are even when we don't agree. Taking the time to understand what someone is really saying doesn't mean you have to agree with them. It doesn't show that you agree with them. It simply means you're taking the time to understand, right? You're, you're, you're listening. And maybe more importantly, you're making them feel heard. Because especially when there's times of tension between people, Often the issue isn't the issue. We know that, right? I see this even in my own children where I, I'll see with my own two eyes one of them hit the other one. Usually this is the middle sister with the younger one. Um, you know, and I, then the, you know, the baby starts crying. Baby, I guess he's a toddler now. Um, he starts crying and I, and I run over there. Um, I mean, I, I kind of saw some things out of the corner of my eye and, you know, automatically administer the timeout, bring the justice that dad can and uh, think everything's good. And then Jude will tell me like, no, they were, they were just playing. Like, they were fine. Elijah just misses mom. Oh, <laughs> I mean, like this is the simplest little thing of, of how the issue isn't the real issue. And that's why it's vital that we choose to understand people. No matter how idiotic we think they are, how off base we believe that they are. Because it's both about us understanding them as well as, well as making them feel understood. Uh, of course, what this can look like is, is just simply asking a question that helps clarify something they just said. May, make your first response after you have listened to not just move on with conversation, but just clarify something dig deeper into what they just said. Maybe you even go and, and you simply repeat back what they had. <laughs> if you want to go full marriage counseling, you know, repeat back what they said and say, hey, is, is that what you're trying to say? Or what I hear you saying was. But the crux of the matter is when we choose not to understand, when we choose not to put the investment to actually understand, we're not actually listening. We're just going on our own presuppositions because we have it all figured out. Third thing is this, care, don't fix. Care, don't fix. This is one of the most skipped over aspects of listening. 
And I appreciate really on all these the ways that my dad has helped uh, show me what it looks like and articulate what it looks like to, to truly listen. And this is one of those really helpless places. Because again, we want to get to the fix, right? We want to get to the end and we, wanna, we just want to make it all better if there's something going on. We want to find the solution if there's tension between us. But we must simply care and not fix. We have to fight this tendency that we have to immediately do something, but just be present in the moment. Care for the person right in front of you. Cry with them. Celebrate with them. Maybe even simply just say, hey, thanks for sharing that. I care about it. And that might sound cheesy. (laughs) That might sound like it's not really doing anything, but it's a moment and it's a pause to choose to care. And Maybe even just simply asking yourself, What does it look like just in this moment right now for me to care for this person? Because as helpless and maybe as simple as this sounds, being present and practicing the presence of Jesus in your listening may be more powerful than anything you will ever say. I know some of us in here have had that happen to us before. But being present and practicing the presence of Jesus in your listening may be more powerful than anything you will ever say. Fourth step is this. Speak to follow the above steps. All right? Speak or act after you have chosen to actually listen, chosen to understand, and chosen to care. Because listening lays the foundation for any words or actions that will take place. First, listening helps people receive what you're going to say and do. People don't really care what you think until they think you actually care, right? They don't want, they don't want the mom lecture, the dad lecture right away. They want to know you care about them. They want to know that you actually understood them. Your advice or your actions might not change, like, at all. You might go into a conversation or a situation know, thinking you know exactly what's happening, what needs to happen. You might go through the steps, and you're like, yep, same thing. I, I knew it. Knew it right from the beginning. But what has changed is that person's reception of you as you have chosen to care about them in the moment, as you have chosen to understand. And so now, even though um, what you are going to do is the same, they're more ready and they're more open for it. But maybe more importantly on this whole idea of of listening so we know what to do or how it paves the way is listening gives direction to what actually needs to be said or done, right? I mean, we're we're really good at thinking we know what needs to be done and jumping into it just like my children. But the fact of the matter is we don't always know. We don't always know what needs to be done. And when you are simply trying to check something off the list, you miss the point and you can also easily miss exactly what needs to be done. It can be easy to rush towards the fix, but just as easily, we don't actually help. However, we feel better about ourselves because we feel like we did something. Uh, I I heard the story uh, about one church um, that took a mission trip to Africa um, every year. And this was, this was a big thing that they did for a while. And um, they would raise the support and pretty, pretty amazing time um, as they got to bring all these clothes and stuff and just bless the people around them. And uh, I mean, that's, they would take the pictures. Like it was, it was an awesome time that they just got to like celebrate. And obviously it took a lot of sacrifice to get over their time and money. Um, And they did this for a long time. Uh, But one of the leaders, after they had done this for several years in a row, 
Um, and I, I forget how this part actually happened. Well, one of the leaders um, got word back from um, either some people in the community or some leaders from some other organizations that were familiar with what was going on. And all of a sudden, he realized they'd messed up. That in trying to help, they hadn't actually helped. They'd actually hurt even more. And that whenever, every time they brought over these clothes and just these things that they would just give to people, I mean, they felt so great about themselves as they were being generous, right? But the fact of the matter is it put out of business all the people in that community that made their livelihood off selling clothes. Uh, all of a sudden, instead of, instead of supporting local merchants, um, this community just waited for the yearly trip. tried to help, but they didn't listen first. There's another church that uh, took a mission trip to India, and they raised up all the support. They, they had all this money because they were going to do something big. They were going to make a difference here, and they had this community. It was kind of in this, you know, slums area, and they had this, they, they, they had some connections there, and they went in, and they said, we're here. We're here to help. We love you guys. We want to help. What can we do? We have, like, money. We, want, we can build you a school. We can build you a hospital. We can build you a church. Like, what do you want? We are ready. We have the investment right now, as well as we want to continue to give to this in the future. What do you want? And the leaders that they were meeting with said, we don't, we don't want any of that. We want a mailbox. <laughs> and they said, okay, um, we have money to build a hospital, all right, or like, or school. I mean, like, think about this school that can change the next generation. Like, we have the support, the money. Like, we're willing to do that. It's okay. You can really ask whatever you want. And the leader said back, no, we want a mailbox. And so they said, okay, I guess that's what we're going to do. And as they looked into this whole mailbox thing, they, they realized what they were missing that in India, where there was millions and millions of people around this area, that you were not recognized by the national government or the local government if you did not have a mailbox. And that simply getting a mailbox and having an address, having a place that was actually on the map would change everything for this community. It would allow government funding for different things, government help. All of a sudden, their schools and hospitals and things could launch up in a whole new way than ever before. And yet, they got so close to almost missing what actually needed to be done. Because choosing to listen paves the way for any real help and real blessing to take place. Whether that's just making them feel understood that's figuring out exactly what to do. As we put in the, this in the practice, we begin to discover that listening is so much bigger than just part of a conversation. Listening takes place through what we see going on around our neighborhood and our neighbor's houses, at school, at work, in our homes, what we see on social media. As we read between the lines what we see, what we read in the newspapers, what our friends tell us. Choosing to listen helps us to become fully alive to the mission that is in front of us and the opportunities all around us. We are blessed to be a blessing, and we are blessed with plenty of opportunities to listen, and those are opportunities to be the church. I, I pray that we would be a church that would take a posture of listening. 
especially when we encounter people or a situation that's different than our normal challenge, normal or challenges our comfort. Because uh, here's the thing, while the gravitational pull is always there, it has become so normal to seclude ourselves into groups of like-minded people who think the same way. We bold in the faint lines of our differences to create opponents. In our minds, we force everyone to either be with us or against us. We place everyone in groups that is so black and white, either they are the bad guy or the good guy. And we forget these are people with a story to be loved. We forsake unity and we demand uniformity. And slowly we shut out the voices and the influence of anyone else that has a different perspective than us or we're just different than us and we miss out on so much we miss out on the beautiful diversity of what we're called to be as the church we miss opportunities to actually learn and to grow but more than anything we miss out on what it means to really be the church we miss out on opportunities to bless that we have been called to be a blessing in in Philippians 2, Paul says this. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves. Not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of the others. In your relationship with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in the very nature of God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in an appearance as a man. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Truly listening is humility in action. As it says in, in Mark 10, Jesus came not to be served, but to serve. As we go through our lives encountering the messiness of humanity and the brokenness of people, may we not choose a posture of combat or of defense, but rather a posture that seeks to build up relationships, seeks to start relationships as we choose to listen. Because here's the thing, here's the crux of the matter. This is the whole, like, if you remember nothing else, remember this statement. Choosing to listen is the choice to love the person right in front of you. Choosing to listen is the choice to love the person right in front of you, to be the church to the person right in front of you, not waiting to talk, choosing to understand, caring, not fixing, and then being attentive to whatever the Holy Spirit leads you to say or to do next. Choosing to listen is the choice to love the person right in front of you. And it is through one relationship at a time that we are called to be the church. Would you pray with me? Lord, I'm really glad that you listened to us. 
even as I read through the book of Psalms and I see all these prayers and, and things, sometimes the emotions that are in there, I just like, I, I don't think those are supposed to be in the Bible. Uh, but Lord, even brokenness, our deepest regrets, our, our deepest just anguish as we cry out, you listen. And you have responded in a way that, Lord, I, I don't think it's always the way that, of what I needed, but it is as you sent your son Jesus to die for us. Out of your riches, you blessed us immensely. And I thank you for that. But Lord, in this moment, um, would you just help this practice of listening to come alive. Lord, in, in our kind of Western culture, this is so easy to diminish. Uh, it feels like, why are we even like talking about this in a sermon? Uh, but Lord, this is where it starts. These are the opportunities that are right there when we go to work, when we hang out with our spouse, when we hang out with our kids, when we hang out with our friends. This is one of those places where the rubber hits the road, how we choose to act out in your love or not, whether we choose to simply listen, to humble ourselves and listen and to understand, to see what's going on. So Lord, help us to live this out in real ways. Bring this up in, in the different moments uh, throughout this week and even today that we would choose to listen. Lord, so we can communicate your love, Lord, more than anything, so we can truly be a blessing. It is when we listen, we, we begin to even find our purpose. And it's right around us. And it's right in front of us.